0: Today we've got Austin Dunham on.
1: Austin fucking Dunham, man!
0: And today I am doing something a little bit different. YouTuber. YouTube is like a game. I have posted every week for seven years. What is up, Eddie Team Austin back with another video. No break, fitness coach. You guys have probably noticed that I've started mixing calisthenics and weightlifting. And lifestyle coach. I wasn't getting great results on dating apps. I was getting subpar like women in my eyes, but I'll see other guys like doing fairly well and they necessarily weren't more attractive to me. But I was like, what do those guys have that I don't? So that's when I reverse engineered the process. It's a right way and a wrong way to use dating apps. That's why as a digital Romeo in this video, I'm gonna show you guys the wrong mistakes that I used to do. It wasn't until about 2020, where I discovered something called the red pill. I don't chase, I attract. He's gonna tell us a little
1: bit about how he got into the space and what things are like now.
0: I gotta get a little pump on and do some interviews. Y'all stay tuned because this vlog's about to get really, really insightful. The first month we ended up doing. Uh, $60,000 man Really? Yeah Went from 3 to 5k a month To relaunch 60k first month Which is more important to you? How many likes you get Or how much money you make in a month?
1: You've gotten further Into this thing You've just kind of seen Your life like Become exactly What you wanted to
0: So my name is Austin Dunham, 27 years old. Uh, My story begins more so when I was 18, so nearly a decade ago. That's when I really got more into social media. And if you guys don't know, I'm a content creator across all platforms, YouTube, which I've been on the longest, but also on Instagram and other platforms too. My niche and mostly what I, what I talk about is anything from male self-improvement, so fitness, dating, even finances a little bit, self-improvement and confidence, uh, anything that's in the realm of personal development, and it's self-improvement as a man. However, my story begins with fitness, and that was more so when I was 18 years old. I went to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I grew up in mostly Jacksonville, Florida, but I ended up going to the school in South Georgia. jaguar Spin? Been- no. No? No. <laughs> you don't have that curse to deal with? No. <laughs> no. Are you? I am. Oh, I grew oh, up sorry, there. Man. I
1: was. I moved there when I was like four. So I, like yeah. when I got into the NFL, I was like, eh, that's who mm-hmm. you got to go with.
0: True, yeah. I've never been a Jaguars fan, but I did grow up in Jacksonville. And I remember it was the time I needed to start applying for colleges. and funny enough, I've been indoctrinated so much on schooling that I didn't know college was a choice up until I got to my senior year of high school. So just felt I felt like it was the only option. And that's why I've been trained. Like I have a twin sister and my mom, my parents are educated. They went to college. So I just assume people just go to college after high school. But I remember that time I realized, Oh, college is a choice. Like I don't have to do this. But at the time I was like, what else am I going to do? So I was looking for co- colleges to apply to. And I think that summer right before, I was like, I kinda wanna do the ROTC program because my dad was a military officer, my uncle's a military officer, and I was doing more, I'm always proactive, so I wanted something that would give me like a good sustainable career and job after I left college, so with ROTC, you, it's like a four-year selection process. You go through, and then afterwards, you commission as an officer, immediately making $40,000, $45,000 a year immediately after you graduate college. So I was like, okay. Very set program, yeah, consistent. I was thinking way ahead early on. But in hindsight, it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. And the reason is is because my freshman year, I was 18 years old. And through RTC, they're b- very big on physical fitness and leadership, both in which I had to work on. But in regards to physical fitness, I remember going to my first PT session. It was about 5 a.m. It was um, super hot, and we had to run like a formation, a mile run or something like that. And then after that, a few days later, we had to do like a mock PT test. And the PT test was a mile and a half run, uh, sit-ups for a minute, and push-ups for a minute. Now, I remember I did horrible on it. Looking back on it, you know, in my in my eyes, I, to the average person, I did all right. But in my eyes, at the time, I was like, "Yo, I need to." get better.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Profession Session. I'm Brody Vincent, and I'm on a mission not only to define professional greatness through the tactics and qualities behind it, but also to help anyone that's trying to achieve professional greatness do it through the lens of others that have achieved it before them. I couldn't be more thankful for everyone that helps me continue along this mission through being able to do this podcast. And if you've ever gotten any value out of it, I ask only two things in return. If you could share it in the same way that you found it with someone else that you think could get value it helps me so much and if you can also just hit the subscribe button if you haven't yet it helps me so much in just securing better and better guests for the show to share more impactful knowledge with you in this pursuit that we're both on for professional greatness do you find that you have just a really high standard for yourself in a lot of areas i do
0: i think that's what that's what really separates me apart from my peers too is that i've always wanted to be like in the top 10 percent in grades physical fitness I wanted to stand out in everything that i do
1: where do you think that comes from for you
0: the need and desire to be successful i think that's what it really is it's, it's almost like this thing that really can't be taught it's like just enemy like i just want to be the best at everything that i do and then whenever i i accomplish that i look back and i was like how did i do this and it's always because of the deep desire first off and then also i get really obsessed with things in a positive way whenever I'm trying to do something, learn something or get good at it. So I applied that to physical fitness, YouTube, business, any aspect of self-improvement. I've always excelled and tried to be at least the top 10%, at least for my age range or in comparison to other people. And I did the same thing with schooling too. Um, But also going back to that, I realized how much I needed to work on my physical fitness. And then that's when I remember I went on Google. I was like, how do I get better at pushups? That's literally what I typed in on Google. And some articles came up, some YouTube videos came up. I clicked a YouTube video, I watched it. And then on the right-hand side, you got some related tabs. And then I remember seeing like 18 year old or 16 year old calisthenics transformation. I was like, what does that mean? I clicked it and I saw this guy's crazy transformation of him being skinny in which I grew up skinny most of my life, including in high school too. And I saw him build muscle over the course of like a six month year period. And not only that, but he was able to do all these amazing skills for himself, like muscle ups, handstands, handstand pushups, just crazy feats of body weight strength in which I've never seen before. Because most people taught, you know, just traditional bench press, sure. lat pull down, classic stuff, right, deadlift. And I was like, what is this training style? And will it make me better at push-ups? And so I, I dig more can I find out that not only will I build more muscle, but it'll also make me better at push-ups and be able to do super advanced push-ups, like push-ups with no legs. It's called a planche push-up. Oh wow. So I was like, okay. My, Sounds tough. Yeah, I ended up learning it, actually, but um, at the time I was like, okay, my obsession mindset, I need to be the best at this, how do I become the best at it? And I remember it was about August 15th, and I remember September 1st, 2014, it landed on a Monday. And I said, "Okay, I'm gonna start my routine in which I wrote out for myself on a Monday, and I'm never looking back." And I even got it tattooed on me, September 1st, 2014. It's a date. It's the day you started that first routine. First routine, I started working out, and um, the rest is history. You know, that's that's how I, I've. Do you look back on that tattoo often and just, like, remind yourself? Every now and then I'll look at it and be like, damn, like, it's it's been a long time because I always know the anniversary when September 1st rolls around. I'm like, okay, I've been training for three years. I've been training for four years. And after a while you start to lose track, but this is just a reminder of – where where I came from and that mindset of how we talked about wanting to be the best, how everything I do came from too.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like that was your first big thing where you were like, "All right, this is what I'm doing. I'm just gonna dive in deep."
0: Mhm. It, it was. I've always posted myself online. Funny enough, I've always been like a creator. So even before YouTube was cool, even 2015, YouTube wasn't that cool in regards to everybody doing it. Still pretty yeah, new. Yeah. But even before that, in 2012 and 2011, I believe I was really into flash games online. Um, it's a bit nerdy to say, but there's a game called Club Penguin. Oh. A lot of people played it as kids. Yeah. So I remember like the snowball fights, all the crazy stuff going down in the chat that like your parents yeah. didn't know about. All that stuff. I used to create something called Club Penguin Music Videos, and this is where I learned video <laughs> editing. This is where...
1: Um, I actually remember this. Yeah, I,
0: I, oh, You probably watched one of my <laughs> probably did. No way. Yeah. yeah, so I had a totally different YouTube channel where I, I would create these Club Penguin Music videos every week. And from there, I remember I started building a little bit of status on Club Penguin. Like, I'll I would get on Club Penguin, everybody would know who I am. Like, oh, <laughs> I watch your videos. So I've experienced like that sort of influencer routes in a yeah. different niche very early on. Started with Club Penguin. I Remember man. begging my parents to give me that five dollar monthly membership when I had like no money. Yeah, my mom bought it for me. Shout out to you, mom. Yeah. That's how it all started. Yeah, that's how it all started. And so with fitness, I just translated what I was already into just in a different niche with fitness and that so happened to be the one that really stuck for me and people actually paid attention to I grew a sort of audience with Club Penguin stuff like a few thousand maybe like five thousand which to me at the time I was like super popular in 2012 2011 Uh, but so that was a YouTube channel already like the Club Penguin music videos yeah it was a YouTube channel and would you just go
1: into like the boiler room and start throwing snowballs like see what happens yeah, I will mess
0: around. I would troll. I would be the guy who like figured out how to get on top of the nightclub. Yeah, that nobody else did. Yeah. Um, I would. I would do like a lot of stuff. I really turned that game inside out. That's know? so funny. I got some great memories from that game. You just yeah. hit on like the most nostalgic thing ever. Yeah, it really changed once Disney bought it. Though I don't even think it still exists anymore. But yeah, it was a good time.
1: I think they rebooted it. I remember my friend came over and was like putting it up on our TV and like we we just played it. Really? Wow.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Shout out you Club Penguin. Yeah. yeah. So it all started with that, man. And then um with the fitness stuff, uh created my first transformation video because I was I've been doing calisthenics since twenty September first, twenty fourteen. But four months later, I've actually progressed fairly well. My body changed, I lost fat. I got a lot stronger, I was capable of doing stuff I never even knew I could do before. And so I only did what I knew best and that is to share my progress on YouTube. So I created a four-month transformation video and it did it really well. It got like a few hundred thousand views. People From there, people kept asking questions. And then that really- That was the first video you posted about it? Uh, Yeah. Wow. Yeah, first video, my four-month transformation video and then from there people it's really ring true with people yeah ask questions and then that started a snowball effect until where it is now to, you know, what are the biggest ways you feel like you've evolved as a creator over those like seven years you said mm-hmm. there's so many ways I've evolved the first one is just overall confidence I've always been confident with presenting myself on camera but if you look back on my old videos or anybody's old videos for that matter just your on camera presence is like just totally different and so, oh
1: yeah, it can I be humbling, humbling sometimes. Yeah,
0: I, I remember I, I went back and I saw a video. I was like thanking the channel for five thousand subscribers, and it was a big milestone for me. Just but the way I delivered it, it was very, very adolescent—the yeah. best way I could put it. So yeah, biggest way I've evolved is definitely my delivery, my presence, and also. Just the way I think about content, too, because at the time frame, it necessarily wasn't a business or it didn't impact. I didn't have a business behind it. It was more so just a passion project. Like I just like recording myself and posting videos. So nowadays, I th- I'm more purposeful with content versus, like, just posting things I want to post or just some random stuff. Nowadays, I, I really think into the about the analytics. Is, is this going to perform well? Do people actually want to see this? I approach it more from a content marketing perspective versus before It's more like, oh, what do I want to film today? Oh, let's do this. Just kind
1: of throwing stuff against the wall and seeing
0: what sticks. Yeah, but starting out that way makes it more fun too. And that's why a lot of people quit Uh, because I did start off in the fitness community with a few other people who were about the same size as me. Nowadays, all of them are gone. Everybody quit after about a year or two years. Some made it to 10,000 subscribers. Everybody quit because after a while, it became less fun for them. They just lost passion for it. And so for me, I've always I've always tried to keep that passion alive. And I realized I can do that through my habits and just staying involved in my hobbies and not not being so hard on myself whenever I am creating content. I still like to create content that I personally enjoy because that's what keeps me doing it long term, especially for nearly 10 years. Like this is the perfect segue to get into
1: the new channel that you have, the lifestyle vlog one that we were talking about off air. So you've got a couple of businesses around that too. Could you talk a little bit about just the choice to add that and
0: how you kind of got into it? Yeah, so with the fitness channel, you know, you over time you grow an audience who is solely into fitness content. If you're not teaching them how to do a proper pull up, they don't want to see it. And so I will find myself having more to share. You know, I've shared club penguin stuff in the past. I didn't mention this but i've also had a little small section to where i was sharing technology videos okay i thought i wanted to be the nice mkbhd if you know who that is right yeah i wanted to do like smartphone reviews so he does like
1: the super Super polished ones right where he's doing like the unboxings and stuff
0: yeah nowadays he does but at that point in time he he was still a bit amateur and just kind of just talking about anything technology so i thought i wanted to do that and those videos are still on my channel till this day but after i went to fitness I was like, I kind of don't want to talk about fitness, like only fitness. I still want to talk about it, but not only that. So I've tested a few things, and I saw a few complaints here or there. So I thought, why not just create a new channel where I can showcase more of my lifestyle? Vlogging was really popular in 2017, 2018, so Mm -hmm. I named it Austin Dunham Vlogs. So that way, whenever people see a vlog or anything a part of my lifestyle that's not fitness-based because my – the other channel was built off of information, not necessarily my personality or lifestyle. It was based off value or grown off value. So I created the new channel. And at first I was just posting random lifestyle vlogs, like day in the life of a YouTuber, or this is just random stuff. This is me traveling to Miami for the weekend. And a few hundred people will watch it. It wasn't until about 2020 to where I discovered something called the red pill. Have you heard of that? I have, yeah. Could you describe this? Because yeah, I've never had this covered on the show. Yeah, so the red pill is within something called the manosphere on YouTube. The manosphere basically encompasses anything regarding male self improvement and the principles behind that. So, dating, self improvement, even fitness, and a different teachings depending on which ph- philosophy philosophy you believe in. So, a philosophy or pracheology, as some people call it, is the red pill. And all that means is understanding female nature for what it is. Okay, There's a toxic version, but also there's like a normal, realistic acceptance version. So the way I put it is just understanding female nature and the realities of male to female dynamics from that point of view. So a lot of the realities behind female nature and dating is a bit unflattering. So whenever you sort of learn that information or first discover to it, it's almost like mind-blowing. Like, what do you mean I'm not supposed to be a nice guy? What do you mean that why are women attracted to this and not this? You start to learn like the different things and you start to view what you've done in hindsight in your past and be like, okay, that's why she acted like this. That's why this situation didn't go the way I wanted to. And so...
1: Now, is this something you've kind of had personal experience with
0: helping you in your personal life and dating? Oh, it definitely has. Yeah, I, I approach all my dating ventures and any courtship with a woman with a red pill lens, as it's like, like to be said. And that's because I understand on a biological level how females operate and on a psychological level how relationships last long term. So discovering that has made a positive impact to my relationships and everything behind that. But from a YouTube perspective, it's something else that I got really interested in. Remember I said I get obsessed with stuff mm-hmm. and I wanna learn everything about it, I wanna be the best, I need to know the authors, I need to read all the books. So that's exactly what happened around pandemic era, like 2020 during that time frame, I was watching every Red Pill Creator YouTube video. I was connecting with some too in person because some of them already knew my content from the fitness stuff that I've grown. And so in 2020, after some lifestyle vlogs, I decided to do a a video talking about being single versus being in a relationship, my thoughts on that. And that's one of the first videos on my vlog channel that really got some traction and brought a lot of new people to the channel. What was
1: the premise behind that?
0: The premise was because at the time I just got out of a relationship that I posted everywhere. Like we had a, a whole channel together, like one of those relationship channels on Instagram all the time. And so when that ended, it was mostly from me moving to Orlando due to distance and other stuff. But a lot of people were asking, oh, what happened to her? What happened to this girl? Like nonstop. And so through being single for about two years, I was able to gain a better perspective of what it's like to be in a long-term relationship versus being single. And I just wanted to share my perspective on that just randomly, no purpose behind it. And so... That caused some traction, and then afterwards, I was already connected with some of the Red Pill creators in the space. And I decided, and he happens to come to Orlando. And I was like, "Bro, let's let's sit down and do like a table talk, just talk about Red Pill stuff, like you know, as in an interview podcast sort of way." We sat down, and talked, and that video did well too. So now, not only are people, now more people are invested into the channel and have subscribed more so for relationship stuff and my perspective on that those topics. So that's what really kickstarted the vlog channel, man. That was in 2020. And since then, I've really given my tips on how to approach relationships in the best way, how I do it, how to be more attractive to the woman. Because also, through my Red Pill lens, I discovered what women really find attractive in a man and how to put that within myself. And then also how to... Approached online dating the same exact way because through the pandemic I really got into online dating and like how to really master it. Yeah,
1: a lot of people had. Yeah, too.
0: they had to. I, I wanted to be the guy where I was. I was just always infatuated with how people meet each other. Like, what's the like? Why did she choose him? I wanted to answer that from a scientific perspective
1: you seem to have an incredibly analytical perspective on like everything like you really like to break things down and yeah
0: i'm big on systems logic um analytical stuff why things happen why i feel like there's an answer to why everything the way it is and through the red pill and also fitness i've learned that like fitness for itself i create a system in which i've also sold too on how to achieve the goal that i wanted self-taught too uh, Red Pill and Dating, I create a system on how to get five dates in the, the next week if I wanted to. So, life is systems to me. Life is a big math problem. What
1: are some of the biggest challenges that you feel like young male professionals are facing in the dating world? Because it kind of seems like you're hitting on some of this with that content. And we'll get into the business that you have around yeah. that, I think.
0: Yeah. So, with young males and professionals especially, but not only just professionals, but men in general, the dating market has shifted by a ton, which makes it hard for everybody. So in that regard, I'm not sure if you know the stats on dating, but a majority of men are single, um, involuntary, and but a majority of women are not. And for the most part, women have massive choice now in the dating market, especially with social media dating apps etc they're giving an abundant amount of options and they choose the best men from those options have you seen chris williamson's stuff on this i have not he was on this huge podcast
1: that's based in the uk called diary of a ceo and he was talking about that same thing how there's that, kind of that gap that's mm-hmm. formed. very interesting
0: yeah as social media has exploded there's been a big divide of the have women and have nots and so more so especially nowadays if you're not What they describe as the top 10 percent in regards to the attraction pillars of what makes a man attractive it's very hard for men to get women in itself like just go out on a date so the biggest thing i've realized that most professionals are struggling with is overall just being attractive overall in general but then mostly because a lot of dating has gone online social media etc a lot of professionals are working remotely So, they don't put themselves out there physically. Some guys don't like going out to bars and clubs and meeting women that way. They don't really have a social circle because they work remotely, lack of friends. So, they have to put themselves on social media, but then they don't know how to do that. You know, most guys suck at taking pictures. They have no idea how to approach dating apps the right way to actually get results. And then, if they do get matches on a dating app, they don't know the best way to like communicate and turn those matches into dates. So, there are a lot of problems that I've discovered through working with. Professionals, but the biggest thing I realize is is that they lack a online or a social media strategy. And then from there, they don't know how to meet women, and they don't know how to make themselves more attractive.
1: I think the average girl is a lot better at presenting themselves on social media than the average guy.
0: Oh, absolutely! Women in general are, you know, filters, makeup, angles, posing. Just women are more naturally in tune with taking pictures and and knowing how to to do that versus an average man. Kind of a stigma around it for us, too. That's true, yeah. Most women look better in person, whereas most men... No, most women look better online, whereas most men look better in person. That's because they don't know how to present themselves the best way. So skipping ahead a little bit, kind of getting into the business behind it,
1: could you kind of describe the choice behind starting the mentorship program for young men around this? Yeah.
0: So all my businesses are from are from my own mindset and from my own transformation from fitness to also dating. I remember it was 2019. I was like I wasn't getting great results on dating apps. I was getting subpar like women in my eyes and just women I really wasn't attracted to but I'll see other guys like doing fairly well and they necessarily weren't more attractive to me or but I was like what do those guys have that I don't? So that's when I reverse engineered the process. I started figuring out how these guys actually really present themselves. And through that, through my own success throughout time and through me creating systems in which I implemented in my own life, that's when I was able to take those systems and then replicate it towards other people's lives too. And so some of the systems, just to explain it, the first thing is being able to leverage social proof. So Instagram nowadays has become very popular, more so people don't even exchange numbers anymore, they exchange Instagrams. Yeah, Yeah. DMs. Exactly. So most guys' Instagrams are horrible, you know? 30 followers following 300, two pictures of their dog in, in a boat in the, with their feet showing. Like, they don't they don't understand Instagram.
1: And they don't prioritize it.
0: Exactly. They don't prioritize because they don't realize it's important. Interesting. Either. Okay. So under, making them understand the importance of Instagram and how to leverage that through something I call a dating funnel. So much like a sales funnel, I treat dating the same way. Right yeah so at the top of a sales funnel you got your leads people who may be interested in your product but with dating you get leads in but those leads are obviously interested in your product which is you so that starts off from just matches on a dating app or maybe maybe even if you go out get numbers whatever it may be meet women in real life and through there you take them through a sequence that basically pre-qualifies our high interest for you and um make sure that they're actually interested in the product before you go for the clothes. Because a big thing about dating apps and just overall social media is that guys tend to deal with women that don't actually like them. They get left on red. she doesn't reply back, they flake on dates, you know. I I feel, if you've been in the dating game for any sort of time, a woman has flaked on you.
1: I've had female friends tell me they'll kind of just open up their hinge and like look and see they got matches and they're like, yep, looks good.
0: Women use dating apps for attention, men use dating apps to get dates. And so you got to- There's s- a lot more guys on dating apps than girls
1: too, right? I think I heard somewhere that it's too. like a There's six, a- six to one ratio or something it's like that. It's a
0: crazy ratio, mostly men, yeah. but that makes sense even with clubs, right? There's is mostly men in the nightlife scene and the areas where there are a lot of women at, you know, they charge higher cover fees, it's more exclusive, or you got to be invited It's VIP. So dating apps work the same way and i made the correlation between dating apps and nightclubs quite often because they they're similar in their own regards but um yeah i forgot what i was talking about the funnel okay yeah so take them through a funnel and just replicating a sales funnel to a dating funnel so that by the time she goes all the way through the funnel she's on a date with you you know that she's a quote-unquote hot lead. Like she's pre-qualified, she's interested. She makes sense for you. Yeah, she's into you, and you're overall going to have a better experience with that woman than just trying to just blind shot matches and send women DMs on Instagram. There's more of a strategic way to do it so that you get women who are actually genuinely interested in you. But it all does start from yourself. So also through that, I teach objectively how to make yourself more attractive. Not subjectively, objectively. So remember, I said attraction pillars. You mentioned attraction pillars. Yeah, those are the the main three attraction pillars for men is looks, money, and status. That's what kind of makes up mostly a man's value. Um, so increasing those attraction pillars with looks objectively make you more attractive. So that's why I had to understand what attracts women on a biological scientific level, so that that can be replicated throughout any client that I deal with. And then um obviously I'm sure like a huge fitness piece too there, like it's gotta start there. Of course. And that's why I also include it correlates. That's why fitness also makes sense to be in here too. Kind of a natural next step for you. It is. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. Um uh, with fitness being a low body fat percentage, below fifteen at least is required. And then from there, style too. Um, just making sure you wear fitted clothes, put it all together, accessorizing with jewelry, having a bit more sex appeal um even i see your beard length now it's about probably like a six millimeter seven millimeter did you even know that oh no i didn't know that i saw you had a video where you went over like how to grow a beard yeah so remember i said i do everything based on my own transformation Mm -hmm. so I, i realized that i need to grow a beard how do i do this and so i figured out the exact process and product which was minoxidil and I documented the whole process, which it took three months for me to go from bald face, never having a beard in my life, to now being able to grow a beard, which made me more attractive. No, no way. Three months? It took three months, yeah. I got to check out that video. Yeah. Monoxidone. I'll try to put a link up here somewhere to the video. Yeah. So if you're if you got, if you're a guy with a patchy beard too, Monoxidone can actually fill in those patches throughout time. Or if you're bald face too, m- yeah. maybe. So And then the next attraction pillar, money. Most women want a six-figure man. You know, that's that's what they say. Most men aren't making six figures, but if you're able to maximize your money to the fullest, that's just going to be better for you. And going back to a deeper layer, looking at systems, how is money made through value exchange? Money can't be money can't be taken. It's only given away. So understanding your value and how you can add value to the marketplace. And the best way to add value usually is either helping somebody in the realms of health, wealth or relationships so most guys it gets into deeper layers but health obviously fitness transformations being a coach whatever that may be wealth helping people or businesses make more money and then relationships helping people either for men at least attract more women or helping people have longer term relationships or fix any relationship issue and then, what status? Status is situational because you can be a bartender and have status within that given situation in the club. But once you leave the club, nobody cares. Yeah. Example for a balancer. But overall, when I say status, it's more about representing your social status online and becoming a person that is attractive with a you know a positive lifestyle and that's conveyed through online, which can give you a little bit of status. Anybody can build status nowadays fairly easily with TikTok, Instagram. So figuring out how to post the right way so that you can build a little bit of status about yourself. And then once you have all that in line, at least becoming like a seven overall, then that's when you'll notice your options in a woman will increase dramatically. So
1: all those kind of come together, I feel like, to form confidence. Could you talk a little bit about confidence and just how you help mm-hmm. kind of mentor these young men to build more confidence and also the challenges that you see faced most often with these
0: guys? Yeah. One thing about confidence i realize realized is that you can be great looking, you can have the most money in the world, you can have the greatest status in the world, but if you don't have confidence, which is that underlying principle, nothing will really come from that. I even noticed that in my own life. When I, whenever I was a teenager, I remember I would get. I would get women attracted to me, but I never act on it because I, I didn't have confidence. And that came from other social problems. You know, it could be social anxiety, it could be nervousness, whatever it may be.
1: Which is an increasing problem right now for like a lot of young people. You mentioned like the remote work earlier. Mm-hmm. People just have a lot more social anxiety,
0: social difficulties because of stuff like that. And not not going out as much. It's a lot because people are isolated. A lot of people are isolated, so they don't get a lot of social interaction. So. Through confidence, confidence is built through competence in which your ability to complete something successfully. So you won't have confidence until you actually train it. Confidence is almost like a muscle. You have to train it in order to get better. You just don't wake up and have more confidence. You can fabricate confidence and fake it. You can use drugs to increase confidence. I don't recommend that, though, because that's detrimental over a long period of time. Think of alcohol and other drugs or whatever. And so... The best way to increase confidence is to first realize that you lack it and then two, have little actions in place to where you can slowly build up to becoming a more confident person. So, for example, if you struggle with talking to women, don't try to talk to the most beautiful woman you see at the gym to try and increase your confidence. Start off by saying hello to the cashier. Start off by saying or giving a woman a compliment at the mall on her shirt. Start off by asking directions, even if you know where to go. And little actions like that throughout time. Even just smiling at people as you walk by them on the street. Even looking at people in the
1: eye, you know? People struggle with that. Just even, like, making eye contact as you walk by people on the street. I mean, people are so trained for isolation and the opposite of social
0: interaction that just see that so often these days. Exactly. So... You really got to focus on getting out of your comfort zone. And then from there, taking the little habits day in, day out to overall increase your confidence. And then also, if you become more of a man of value, naturally, that'll bring more confidence to yourself, too. Because when you feel good, when you look good, when, when you know that like you're that guy, like, you just walk with a, a different swagger and more confidence, and that can really carry over to other aspects of your life, too. So,
1: yeah, yeah, it attracts all kinds of people to you. Whether it's in your personal life, professional life, your career, better opportunities, better job offers. I mean, I think confidence is just kind of essential to attract all kinds of people to you and attract new
0: opportunities. Yeah. So if you don't have confidence, you don't have so, nothing, don't have nothing at all. I've seen the most attractive people like go out, and the the less attractive guy gets more attention, gets more women, just because he had the confidence to actually make approaches. You know, sure. you shoot one hundred percent of the shots you don't you don't take. I think it goes like that, something like that. But yeah, so confidence is super important, man. And I've I, I've seen where guys can actually make a transformative process through those little actions and habits. throughout Did the you talk time. about like your favorite success
1: story through all this mentorship, whether it's someone in like your personal life or professional life? Just the
0: process of going through that and what hmm. it did for both of you. You know, every time I think about like a big successor, I, I go back to myself. But I always say I don't want to talk about myself.
1: Because you're helping people through like your own personal success story. It's kind of a consistent pillar I've noticed It's
0: like if you can figure it out in your own life you can kind of teach it to others I've seen I've seen positive transformations but I it might be arrogant. I still feel like I have the best transformation because I've seen I've seen where I come from and where I'm at now and like the is night and day like skinny underweight 106 pounds five foot seven in high school that, you know, eat lunch by himself in high school. That that was me. That was, I was like, if my friends weren't there, I would go to the library. So, and then building myself into where I'm at now, hoping other men get where they're at. I think just from what I've seen, I've had the biggest and the, the best transformation, honestly. I, I've seen positive transformations in like some of the guys that I, I work with, but, um you know, it's, it's a time period. So after they reach it, you know I kind of don't they don't they go away they don't speak no more you know it's tough to keep up sometimes too it is it's tough to like sustain it. exactly so if I was able to like be with them all the time and like get every single action or mindset note or whatever then maybe I could speak more on that but anytime they, they get the result they want, sometimes guys be getting girlfriends, man, they just disappear. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I haven't seen John in a minute, he definitely got a girlfriend. Mission accomplished, there you go, yeah. But yeah. It's cool that you're documenting so
1: much of this too because as you continue kind of progressing in your own journey and you're documenting everything, they can kind of continue progressing in theirs and looking back and drawing back on the
0: things that you've learned and the success that you've mm-hmm. had. I, I love the fact that i document everything too. Some nights I would just go back and watch my old videos just to see my lifestyle and where I came from.
1: I wish I would have started earlier with content creation because I kind of just got into it like in like a year ago. And it's just so cool to be able to look back at that stuff and just see, you know, coming from
0: one place and going to the other, like the progress that you've made. It's very inspiring, too. It really is. It keeps you motivated, too. You know, they say discipline is over motivation, but sometimes like a little motivation really helps um, – with the acceleration of stuff so whenever you get demotivated even with myself i don't have time periods where i'm always motivated i'll go back look at my old video see the humble beginnings where i came from and funny enough even looking at those humble beginnings like when i was taking the bus to go work out behind the rtc building they had these pull-up bars so i didn't have a car in college or my first two years so i would take the bus there and go work out and I will see the old raggedy shoes I was wearing, and I will see like my little tiny dorm room with the community showers, and I had a meal plan, and I couldn't go out to eat because I didn't have a car, and, and I probably couldn't even afford it anyway. So i will go to the dining hall and just documenting that and seeing where I came from, and honestly how I didn't realize the position I was in uh, looking back, but at that time frame, I was just also super excited too, I was just happy. So it makes me, um, from a mental standpoint too, have more gratitude for where i'm at now looking back like why why am i complaining or mad because i didn't hit this quota of a financial you know month or whatever when before you know i was really happy with myself content and just enjoying the journey i think it's so important to reflect like that regularly and it's so easy especially
1: if you've got like an analytical mind like yours to get caught up in like the numbers and the goals and aspirations what have you found are like the best practices for continuing to reflect on that?
0: And then and then Yeah, so first thing is like I said, looking back on where I came from and um, also just having a gratitude journal too, if if you perform more of that writing stuff, just writing down like the things you're thankful for, just little things so that you can have more appreciation in your life. That's more of a spiritual take it from
1: it. It's like another form of documentation too. Yeah. Cause if you can kind of like look back on that, I mean, your memory changes and fluctuates so much, but if you can have that concrete proof to just look back on and be able to draw upon, it's like proof that you, you'd started in one place and have gotten to the other that you can actually like visualize mm-hmm. and
0: see. It, exactly. You know, and then as long as I'm doing the habits and actions, you know, the whole 1% better concept every day, as long as I'm doing that, then I know, Throughout time the compounding effect will take place and it always has. And um and just sticking to the plan, man. That that's what it's really about. Just aligning your habits and your goals and consistently doing that. That's what I've always gone back to and I do that every single day. Every day's planned out and I just tackle it, man.
1: Are you very schedule oriented? I am,
0: yeah. I plan my day out the night before, every night for the past six years Wow. every night i have a whole diary just scratched off i can go through them i have about three every night never miss really i don't work weekends though so i do give myself a bit of mental breaks um i very could well work weekends there's always work to do but weekends i just tend to chill out relax does that recharge you a lot it does yeah i used to not do that
1: what kind of stuff do you like to do on the weekends to kind of let loose and just recharge in that way yeah
0: so of course i still i still go to the gym i still implement my um physical habits but I like going out trying new restaurants. I might go to the cigar lounge yeah. maybe here and there. The one downtown? Yeah. Yeah. I also got one kind of where I live at too. Um, I just like um, adventurous stuff. I do like shopping sometimes too. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad cope. Yeah. I, I, I stopped doing that too. Like I was going to ask where you got the shirt too, by the way. I've been Zara. Man, I love Zara, honestly. Shout out to Zara. I've heard Zara is awesome. I haven't tried it yet. And trying new restaurants. I like, I like food. And just... Seeing what whatever city you're traveling to has to offer, there's always fun stuff you can do. Do you travel
1: a lot? We're kind of talking off air a little bit about Miami. Do you like going down there a lot?
0: Yeah, I realize I do travel a lot. It seems like I, I don't, but when I realize it, I'm traveling like at least every two months somewhere. Yeah, you know, Miami's quite often just because of the connections and the networking and the content I could do there, it's always better. But also, um, international, I've been to Rome. Paris, Barcelona, Germany, Israel. So I do like checking out New Dominican Republic. I'm going there uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Oh, dope. Yeah, leisure? Just going for the weekend, going to Punta Cana. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly where I went. Really? Was it cool? Yeah, it, it was. It was um more of an island, island vibe. Every, everywhere is, is what you make it. I like the culture of DR, but I would definitely be sure to book some excursions. Just yeah. like on Tripadvisor or something. Any that were your favorite? My favorite um, had to have been the ATVs where you kind of discover like Dominican culture, and uh, what else is ATVs is something else. And then the next day we did like a, this boat ride, but that's more of like a party like sort yeah. of thing, just having fun. Yeah. But yeah, I look through excursions. Every time I go somewhere, I always go on Tripadvisor or a Viator and look through the excursions that I can book for the day. Some people you go on vacation, you know, they just go by the beach, have a pina colada, and just relax. You do that I here. I, I like yeah. doing stuff. Yeah. You know, I can go to Miami and chill on the beach. I can go to um, up north. But yeah, I like doing stuff. So that's why I work Very cool.
1: What excites you most about your career right now? What do you like wake up thinking about first
0: or go to bed thinking about at night about uh, your career? What excites me the most is I'm just thankful that I'm in this position. The fact that I did start so young when I was 18 and that I had built up this. This audience and people who almost grew up with me I, I meet people in person all the time anytime i'm out usually somebody always comes up to me and they're like i've been watching for a very long time and i was like for how long Yeah, you know, for the past like seven years when i was 16 now they're like 22. you know so growing up with my audience is pretty cool so i look forward to continually doing that and maturing with my audience including the topics and the things i talk about there's a big, a, a big maturity difference in regards to the stuff I used to talk about versus nowadays and the stuff I'm getting into. So seeing the growth in that. And then also um, uh, I just love the fact that I can get up and do what I love to do every single day. I've never had a corporate job. I've The last job I did have, I worked at Home Depot when I was 18. And before that, I worked at Wendy's for like three months at senior high school. And then I was a lifeguard when I was 16. So I've only had three jobs in my life where I actually clocked in somewhere. I had the education. I went to school. I got a business degree, minor in entrepreneurship. It's, it's like a meh degree. Where'd you yeah. go? Valdeci. Oh, that's, you know, right. that's right. right. You told me that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And so I could always fall back on my degree and also give in my, with my experience in business and entrepreneurship and social media and digital marketing too, which I'm mm-hmm. very familiar with. I could pivot anywhere. And so... I think I'm excited about that because I realize my life really changes a lot every three or four years or so. Like it never stays the same. So it makes me wonder like, what else will I talk about next? Because I I won't always be talking about fitness stuff. Maybe one day I'll talk about finance. Maybe one day I'll get into digital marketing and do something like that. I don't know. So time will tell. It's
1: cool how as you've gotten further into this thing, you've just kind of seen your life like become exactly what you wanted to. I mean, you mentioned you started with the fitness. It became like self-improvement. It might become... Finance or some other area of business, kind of whatever you want it to. It's really cool how just seeing how starting the content creation journey so young like that can just really mold
0: your life into what you want it to be in that way. I would say about content creation, it's easy to get into. It's hard to stay in long term. Same with business too, really. Like if you can do it long term, then that's the next level because most the life cycle of like a content creator like is usually just a few years so if you can say in like five plus years that really says something about like your drive and your ability to remain focused too because it's really hard long term i wouldn't say it's easy you know because working for yourself you have to be self-driven and motivated i can very well not work for the next three years if i didn't want to you know but
1: but there's something that keeps you going
0: yeah i me myself just my ambition just really keeps me going you know that that drive for success from the very start when i was young Just always wanted to be stable and not be broke. That's like my biggest fear is being broke. I never want to experience that. Yeah. Yeah, So not a fun fun place to be. Yeah. So hopefully not. Going back to the business side a little bit, could you talk
1: a little bit about how the different revenue streams you have are structured and just how that looks day to
0: day? Trying to scale those through content uh, marketing. There's different business models you can approach, and all my business models come are usually derived from the information that I provide. So if I'm giving dating advice or self-improvement advice, I usually have a business attached to it to where I'm helping somebody reach that goal even faster or even better, like just gaining them access to resources in which I don't talk about or something that makes the process for them easier to where they don't have to scour through the internet for ages trying to figure it out for themselves. So the first one I started was my fitness business. And what I did through that was start uh, courses that took somebody from A to Z. It wasn't just just video modules of me talking or anything like that. It was really structured and set up with like homework and and if you're at this level go here, this level go here. Also with community support. So just really providing an environment for somebody to succeed. I've done that the longest, my fitness courses and actually I'm not sure if you're familiar with click funnels. Yeah. yeah. Russell yes. Brunson. Yeah. So um in twenty in twenty twenty we actually won the Comma Club Award for this. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It means you've done um, seven figures within the funnel. Okay. So they'll give you like a, a whole like little plaque for it. So I ended up getting that in 2020 for the fitness business. And that was a goal I was really trying to reach. Now, did you start the business
1: around the Click Funnel, like kind of create the funnel to begin things? Or is that something you just implemented later down the
0: road? Later down the road. So at first, everything was by myself. I was a copywriter. I did my email marketing. I learned everything just through YouTube videos, really, and so uh, I remember I used a site called Teachable at the time. It's like a course platform, and I launched it. This had it been in 2016, so I was like 21 or 22 years old. And after doing that, I remember I was I was doing okay for like a college student. I thought I was rich at the time, making like three to five K a month ish, and so while everybody else is broke around me, so I thought I was on top of the earth, but um. After that, that's when I actually met my business partner who cold emailed me, actually. And nowadays I get hella cold emails. Everybody's a digital marketer. But at the time in 2017, uh, it was like one of the first emails i ever gotten. And he was like, you know, laid it out. He structured the email very well, sent an example. I was like, hmm, interesting. This guy is apparently going to make me make more money or help me make more money. Remember, I, I went into the value. You help other people make more money. Is the best way to make more money, and so um, I hopped on a call with him, and he was talking about this click funnel system. This that we're gonna relaunch and revamp your body weight bodybuilder program. That's what I called it. Basically, teaching people how to build muscle and strength with just their body weight. And I was like, okay, let's let's go for it. So I filmed all the new videos. It took so much work, man especially like being a full-time college student on week and you said it was pretty
1: intricate too it wasn't just like talking head videos it was like yeah
0: so i had to get pds redesigned i had to film all the exercise tutorials all again on the weekends because i had school Monday through friday and rtc and so after i finally completed and we were ready to launch um he helped me implement like a, a content marketing system in which i implement nowadays too um to help launch it and then the first month we ended up doing uh, sixty thousand dollars man. Really? Yeah. Went from three to five K a month to relaunch, sixty K first month. Yeah. Just by redesigning the whole process. Redesign the whole process, implementing a funnel system, remember with dating but also with sales too. Before I had just like a one click buy here yeah. for like you know, but you weren't warming up the leads, you weren't hitting them multiple times. Nope. So we implemented a whole funnel system. It started off with like a, a free ebook and then it'll put them in the email list which will nurture them throughout time. But then also take them to the next page. Hey, you got your free ebook, and it's me talking to them. Hey, you got your free ebook. Uh, I would like you to check out this blah blah blah. It was it was a tripwire. It's called It's like a nine dollar product. And then after that, you take them to the next part of the funnel, which is like the main main product. I can't remember if it was like after a few days or immediately. It was something like that. And basically, you went from giving some, somebody something for free to leading them all the way down the funnel. So now you got an average order value of like $100 per person on average. And so with upsells, downsells. um, So there's a lot of potential products available like along that line. Yeah, like I'll upsell like a nutrition program, and I didn't have that before. Gotcha. So just implementing all that stuff that I didn't know about when I was 21 years old. And so through that, that's how we were able to increase, increase the average order value, which also increased the revenue which also increased the average monthly revenue because from there we segmented multiple areas of problems. So fat loss, lose fat with calisthenics at home, building muscle, combining weights and calisthenics, weighted calisthenics, learning static skills, so how to learn handstands, planches, front levers, segmented all that. So that has been the main thing for majority of the time. However, much with content and business, you got to evolve. So throughout time, I already knew like that's not going to work forever. Like yeah. it's doing it did really good for literally six years straight. Then over time, as the market got more saturated, as as um, it became harder to just overall get an audience on social media due, due to, you know, everybody getting in now, I've noticed like a, a dip in revenue. So I had to had to pivot. So the next thing I, I wanted to do is um, high-ticket coaching. So basically helping people get a transformative process, but now instead of you doing it on your own, do it yourself, it's more like I'm doing it with you, I'm guiding you, I'm coaching you. We're off on calls, we're, we're laying out a custom program, nutrition, like full-on training. And when so, you say high-ticket, I'm pretty
1: familiar with that term, but could you kind of explain what that means a little bit more compared to like the do-it-yourself stuff? Yeah,
0: so low-ticket is anything I would say – in the fitness world, a hundred dollars or le- lower, and it's usually just one off. They they get it. You you don't deal with the client at all afterwards. The pre-designed, pre-designed, plug and play, yeah. yeah. But um, high ticket is usually anywhere. It depends on the the niche. But for fitness, I would say nine ninety-seven or higher, or two thousand and higher, and that's on a probably 12 to 16 week sort of transformative process to where you coach them, guide them, get them things custom towards them. So instead of plug and play, you're like asking a questionnaire, like your height, this, that, your goals, your equipment, all that stuff. Lifestyle factors, limitations. Exactly. What's holding you back. Full on coaching, man. So because of that, because you're more involved, you're able to charge higher. And that's why it's called a high ticket. And you can look at any niche. Every niche has high ticket offers. Business ones are the most expensive. I've invested in high ticket business um, offers. I've helped. I've hired business coaches to help me do more or help me create offers better. You know, those, those like ten thousand dollars, eight thousand. So they can get pretty expensive, but the amount of help you get through it and the one on one help you get is is worth it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you had the
1: one month where you went from doing like three to five thousand dollars to like sixty thousand dollars. Imagine like that's worth like. Phew. That's worth sixty thousand or more to you. If you pay like eight or ten thousand, obviously that's worth it. I've always heard that the like the ROI is really good for high ticket sales like that and high ticket programs. What have been some of your favorites that you've done? Um, favorite in regards to business models, just kind of like high ticket offers
0: that you've done yourself that you've benefited from. Oh, that I benefited from. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Hmm. Uh, I would say there's there's one recently, a few months ago. I'd say it's more about YouTube, like how to really master YouTube from a a content marketing perspective. I was already really well versed. I just wanted to see if I could educate myself even more. So learning the um, psychology behind thumbnail thumbnail structure and why people click, understanding your analytics behind YouTube and why this means that, that means that, um, understanding watch time and retention and why people continue to watch throughout a video, how to edit the best way for that. And just little stuff like that um, is the last thing I've invested into.
1: Okay, cool. Just to refine the YouTube process a little bit more.
0: Yeah, exactly. I realized a lot of stuff I did throughout that came naturally to me. Um, But there were some things I've definitely learned that, I've implemented that. Whole things team. beyond like
1: just the processes because you've got like a super analytical mind. Like you mentioned like the analytics and everything, but some things like the thumbnails and other stuff are a little bit more creative, like less analytical, less process. That's what
0: involved. I love about YouTube too is how creative it is. Uh, even though there's no right way really to really post a video or like to get somebody to click, if I can have all these variables in my tool bag and then implement them, then as long as the probability of it being higher of somebody clicking or it, it being a successful video that's where i see the value in so that's what i was able to do and implement
1: you know how do you identify when there's like a skill that you don't have or a gap that you want to cover that you need to fill
0: how do I identify it like realizing that i'm lacking it mm-hmm. uh, usually through my effort so if something's not working or i'm not getting the result that i want i kind of step back and look at my process of what i'm doing and so i'll I, I need to see it visually. I'll lay it out, like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm taking this amount of action towards that. Where's the bottleneck here? And so I'll either find somebody through research who is really um, – has a goal that I want to achieve and learn from them. Or I just do just a ton of research in general. I, I've become a master researcher. I, I feel I can figure out any problem that I want
1: to imagine just someone who's terrible at doing research. What are some of the principles that you've learned that go into just doing research in a more effective way? Cause there's so many, there's so much information out there now. It's so easy to get like information overload. So what are some of the ways that you've been able to combat that? And how
0: do you do your research? Gotcha. This is how I research and how I learn anything I want to literally just within a few days. So I've, I've done this since I was very young regarding fitness, wherever it may be, I can, relatively find the answer to what I'm looking for really fast. And this is how I do it. So I'll go to Google YouTube videos. And nowadays you can even like search on TikTok, like and find content that way I'll digest like the, the main topics or videos or hits of whatever I'm like, or articles of what I'm looking for. And then from there I would take note of what I feel like is important. And then through the other mediums of what I'm finding, I find the commonalities of what's being repeated. So, example—it's
1: kind of overwhelming for the average person with all the information out there, and then trying to do research. I feel like you can get kind of an information overload.
0: Yeah. So, example: if I'm trying to figure out uh, the best way to make ten thousand dollars a month for whatever reason, there's a thousand ways to make, a million ways to make ten thousand dollars a month. But if I if I'm coming across articles and everybody keeps saying copywriting, 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 copywriting. Okay, let me write down copywriting because this is clearly being repeated. Mm-hmm and i just approach that for any other way how to get better at push-ups on youtube on google on tiktok whatever do grease the groove method do grease the groove method do grease the groove method even if the information after that is conflicting or whatever still the similarities between those were to do the grease the groove method so let me write that down do grease the groove method and just doing that you can get an overload from information still doing that but I try to limit myself on um, the information that I'm gathering, and then from there, have like a set base of the con- commonalities between the information, and then from there, prescribe myself a plan of action of how I'm going to implement this, because that's the most important part is implementation. Well, so I plan of action to actually implement this information that I've just digested, and then the rest of the stuff I'll learn through my own trial and error, because I do feel like trial and error is your greatest learning lesson personally, and so that's what I've realized too. And then also, I've realized through through researching, nowadays we have AI, chat, GPT, and the biggest thing about AI is how you prompt it. So it's not, it can answer anything, but it's more so how you prompt it. So I realized with Google too, that I've done really well in hindsight, is that I prompt Google really well. I know how to type in like different keywords and phrases of how to find the information that I, I really want to, and I think that just comes with practice and, and skill and just kind of start hitting the pavement and like researching yeah things that you need to find mm-hmm. some people when they're trying to find something they'll put like a dumbed down version of the question they're trying to find i i go deep i'll I, i'll type in like um how can i make ten thousand dollars a month but i'll put reddit at the end and i only want to see reddit threads because reddit is a good hub of information too where people exactly it's all personal experience exactly so reddit i'll, I'll put quora you know, and I'll prompt it in certain ways to where I'm trying to figure out the output exactly for how I want it to be. Then I'll search variations of that. Here's how I made $10,000 a month because I want to see how other people did it, you know, or... Or
1: if you're using, like, the ChatGPT example that you mentioned, imagine, like, you're trying to write, like, a PDF on how to do calisthenics training or, like, how to get better at calisthenics training. You don't want to just write write a PDF on how to get better at calisthenics training. You want to write... Give me a detailed list of the top 20 things that you need to do to get better at calisthenics training. you got to be, like, highly specific because it's
0: going to give you a much different answer. So I'm still learning my AI prompting, and I'm still playing around with the intestine, testing, but I've gotten fairly good at it, too, through learning and research. ChatGPT is an incredible yeah, tool. Yeah, I, I use it for a lot of my content marketing, Ca- captions, ideas. It's, like... It's implemented in my business now. Actually, it's smart enough to do a lot of the stuff that we've been doing already ourselves.
1: Like it's, I don't, I don't think people realize that it's like a smarter Google. Like it, in a lot of cases, it actually can like do the work that you've been doing. Yeah, and it's only
0: getting better too. It is, yeah. Do you have a fear of AI at all? Um, for what I do, no, because what I do is definitely more from a creative prospect and personal experiences. I do have a fear in regards to it. Just makes everything a little bit more saturated but I've already experienced and accepted that. So nowadays, a lot of faceless YouTube channels are popping up, kind of giving the same exact information that I'm presenting as a person to the camera, but just yes, they generate the script through AI, they got B-roll. It's just all like B-roll and automated talking. Yeah, or um, some, they hire a voiceover artist to actually do the voiceover for them so it sounds like a real person instead of like an AI voiceover. But essentially it's like the same advice or tips that I'm giving, but I'm just teaching through personal experience and also information that I've read or learned. But now AI has the ability to scour that information and you can create a script in a a tangible way and create information overload, you know. I've seen a lot of channels blown up doing that too. It
1: does, but I feel like you would have trouble monetizing in the way that you've been able to, like through your personal brand. Like you, you could blow up, but you can't really create like a coaching or consulting program around something like that
0: that's true I didn't think about that I mean you could definitely get like the AdSense sponsors
1: I could see you getting really burnt out on doing something like that though like there's just not really a lot of fulfillment in that like,
0: like with what you do yeah I, I didn't think about how the the coaching aspect of stuff that does make sense because people do relate more to faces and personal experiences even um, in, in my businesses I've noticed this too but it's a lot of black men who go to my businesses I think because they relate to me you know, like they see um, themselves in me, so for for that reason, I feel like I attract a lot of that demographic into certain businesses. You know, even when I meet people in person, it's always a younger black guy. So yeah, I, I think dem- demographic and relatability plays a big part. But maybe that could be a benefit too, with because the, they don't know who who they're relating to, so you kind of get everybody. You know that's true. You no, know, it's a, from a different perspective. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that
1: stands out in one versus the other though is like the storytelling aspect of the relatability part of it. Oh uh, yeah. Is there anything you've learned personally about storytelling through like your content journey that has been kind of
0: a breakthrough thing for you? I would say in this storytelling in itself is just crucial a part of any content platform that you post on. Telling stories and overall a build or a character ascension or transformation Always does the best. Your first video that really popped was the transformation. Exactly. That's the aspect of storytelling. I went from A to Z. Here's the process and the documentation of it. That's a story. You could do it for yourself, or you could take certain aspects of it and do it for yourself. It makes it, again, you know, just very relatable. Exactly. Even information or value-based content, I try to implement storytelling kind of in there, too. Instead of saying, this is how you do it. One, two, three, four. I give personal experiences. I give examples with analogies, storytelling, because it makes it more, makes it more uh, tangible and more interactive and entertaining sometimes too. So yeah, I always implement storytelling in the content that I post, and I realize it's important because just people love to hear stories. That's why people watch movies. That's why people like going to comedians stand-up comedians they're just great storytellers sometimes the best storytellers yeah that's all it is is storytelling man what's been a lesson that you've learned in the
1: last couple of years that has completely changed a perspective that you had but for the better
0: hmm.
1: i am have to think on
0: this one it's a tough question yeah i'm
1: always looking for things that kind of like
0: completely shift my perspective for the better um any, any i'm trying to think of any mind-blowing perspective shifting i'm not sure if i can um Sometimes it just happens in increments too. Yeah, I think the the hmm I think the biggest one is maybe just how it sounds so cliche and I hate to say it, but it's just consistency, man. I think that's the biggest like perspective because I throughout the years I, I've seen like I said before, the people who stopped and the people who start and the people who keep going. I feel my biggest differentiator between Everybody else who didn't make it and did was the fact that I just never quit. Here you are like seven or eight years yeah. into the
1: content journey and you said people dropped off like a year in or less. It's
0: so cliche, but like consistency is, is the biggest eye-opener I've realized because I didn't realize how consistent I was until people started commenting how consistent I was. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I really am. And then I look at it on hindsight and I'm like, damn, so whenever I, I get into like a, a rut of wanting to Sometimes, at least for my fitness channel, I'm like, I don't want to post content no more. Like, I'm going to take a break or – because I've posted every week for seven years. Every week. That's wild. No breaks. It's a big commitment. Yeah. A fitness content, too, keep in mind. I'm sure there's been weeks where it's been,
1: like, really tough. Like, you're at the last minute or something. Like, it's not easy to do that every week. No, it is not.
0: So, I think over the past two years especially, throughout those hard periods, just realizing that the reason why I'm here is because – the fact that I am so consistent and so just sticking with that and also with YouTube too and social media, you can't let the vanity metrics get to you too much because that can be depressing if you allow it to be. So like if a piece of content doesn't do well or like this got uh, negative feedback, you want to take that negative feedback and use it for good. But like, don't, don't dwell on it because YouTube is like a game the, you can have one that does horrible, but the next one does very good. Then the next two do horrible. The next five do very good. So you just gotta you gotta stick to the path and look at the hard numbers. I like to say not the soft numbers. Hard numbers in regards to who's actually being impacted. Also, they could be business revenue too. Like there's been times where I've had great months of business, but horrible months in views, and yeah. vice versa great months of views but business and like not so well so which is more important to you how many likes you get or how much money you make in a month it's going to be different for different people exactly yeah
1: you mentioned youtube being kind of like a game and we talked about club penguin earlier were you big on video games
0: growing up i, I was when i was a kid when i up until like high late high school definitely in college i stopped completely i used to be into old school games Nintendo 64 game game cube ps2 that was my, my main three. But, like, the time period once the PS, PS3, definitely the PS4 came out, that's when I slowly dwindled off and stopped, started to stop because that's when I realized, and maybe this is a perspective thing too, is that life in itself is a video game. It's kind of what I was getting at, yeah. Yeah. So gather coins, stack coins, you you build your stats up, charisma, uh, dexterity, what's the word? Dexterity. Dexterity, (laughs) Dexterity. yeah, dexterity. That one, like, you just build up yourself as a video game character and direct your life to where you want it to go. So, I focus all my energy and efforts into controlling my own video game and putting my own character up, not necessarily dwelling myself into a a fake 2D game. If that brings you enjoyment, uh, fine, as long as you have balance with it, you know. Don't some guys make it their whole lives. I think it's healthy to gamify the
1: right things, you know. Like, you said you stopped playing video games kind of in high school I kind of resonated with that similar thing for me but kind of realized like like you said life is like a video game and like by extension I think business is very much like a video game yeah getting that feedback and the, the just feeling of growth in real life is so much more valuable
0: it's like it's so much cooler yeah i i agree man cuz all the learning lessons the trial and error the experiences the the challenges the ups and downs it really does make you too, a, a better person and when you're in business for a certain amount of time, you'll take L's too. I've had many businesses I've started up L. Did no, made no money, or even I was at a loss, scratched it, try again. I, I've started a lot, um, just to name a few. I've done merch, I've started a white-label protein company before, too. Oh, really? 2017, yeah. That must have been difficult. Yeah, like e-commerce in itself is pretty difficult. And just, like, any supplement in, like, the e-commerce space, I've just heard is so, so saturated and competitive. Yeah, especially nowadays. But I remember then, like, the payment processor, like, banned me because they didn't want supplements, so I had to find a, a new one, but I was in the middle of a launch. Like, all the challenges that just came with that. And then fulfillment, too. I was shipping from my apartment. I signed all the bottles because I was selling to my audience. I didn't even do paid ads or nothing like that. Um, well, that's how I started. I have started multiple stuff, man. And it's through that, yeah, you take some L's, but also you, you learn and you get some W's along the way too.
1: takes a lot of L's to get a W.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. What does success mean to you personally? To me personally, it, it means being able to – just do whatever you want. So having the time freedom, having financial freedom, having location freedom, those are the three pillars of success in my eyes. Time, location, and financial freedom. So some people might see success as a million dollars a year. But for me personally, if I had to if I was at a job that I really didn't like, that was but I was making a million dollars a year, I couldn't I couldn't move, I was kinda of stuck to one place. I I don't really see that as success in my eyes. I see just true success as being able to go where you want, and do what you want, with no limitations, and so that's where, what I try to set up for my life too, and in some cases too, I, I would rather have time and location freedom more so than financial freedom, you know. So I, I would I would much rather. I think they say like past a certain point, you see kind of a drop off of that too. I th- like I think they
1: say like past like seventy five or 85. 80- five thousand dollars a year you kind of see like a drop off in like the the happiness that it brings you
0: i've seen i've seen that study too
1: i think it's probably a little bit higher for certain people like it's it's gonna be at like a different level for everyone but like you said like if you hit like if you're making like a million dollars a year but you're working like 80 hour weeks and you're just gonna be miserable and and then at that point it's like you're you're doing all this for the money
0: but like what kind of enjoyment are you getting and like I don't know, you're just gonna be miserable. Yeah, that's true. Rich, rich people commit suicide too, man. Like it's, it's real. It doesn't matter how much money you make. But I would say in regards to that study, I would put it a little bit higher too. I think that was yeah. done quite a while ago.
1: I think so too. It's probably inflated since then. Yes. Yeah.
0: What would you say is like you think the the levels at now, like for the average person or like what is it kinda of grown to you think? Financial wise, I would say ten thousand a month. Not it like that yeah. that tends to be like the number. You know, at ten thousand a month you can Pretty much, unless you're like in New York or like some areas of California. But if you're in Florida, for example, or Texas, you can, for the most part, live where you want. A nice place. You can, for the most part, drive where you want to. And given that you're not going to Roost Chris every night, you know, I have a little bit left over to invest or whatever like that throughout time. Um, so, yeah, that I think that's a bare minimum. But... um there's a hedonic cycle to where you'll reach that and then you'll come to realize, huh, oh, I kind of want more, you know, and then the you know, goal push shifts. Yeah. It always does, man. I remember that happened in my life. Like I said, when I first started making three to five K and when I was like 21, I thought I was on top of the world. Like I'm, I was making as much as like my mom or dad at the time too. And so, but then after a while, you know, you make 10 K and are like, okay, this is a new standard. 15k okay that's a new standard what about 20 let's check that out new standard and after that it's more and more but at, at the same time what you don't want to do is inflate your lifestyle with your income that's what i didn't do and i'm so glad that i delayed my gratification up until i was about 26 i didn't buy like this rolex i'm wearing i bought a c8 cash uh like two years i sold it now though but at the time like i, I didn't cash out on my gratification until about like uh, two years ago. Before that, I was paying $200 a month in rent with roommates in a house in college. Wow. Yeah, I was making money, but I was living like I was broke. It's not common for people to have that mindset.
1: Where do you think that came from for you? Yeah, I do think about that. You see so many people just like immediately inflating their lifestyle, and you kind of never escape the trap of not having financial freedom if you just keep inflating your lifestyle if you make more money.
0: Well, it just came with natural discipline And just a just a a hoarder mindset for money. Like I'm not I'm not um cheap, but I am frugal in some ways too. Naturally, that's just how I am. I remember when I would get Christmas money as a kid, I would stack it up and save it for years. Like I didn't I didn't want to spend it on candy. I hated spending money. Like like spending a dollar like hurt my soul. So I would like save it. I remember I would take pictures of cash. It'll be like my my wallpaper on my razor phone, you know, stuff like that. Like, I just always just love, even in video games too, I would yep. play these RPGs and I would just try and make as much money all day online, trying to make as much money on the game just so I can look at the number. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not buying any new weapons. I'm not, I just yeah. want to see it. So I've always had that mindset, man. And so I think that translated to um, real life because money doesn't change who you are, it just amplifies who you are. So the more money you make, just, so it's more of a person that you truly are at its core. So even if I was, if I if I was making ten million, twenty million a year, not much would change my lifestyle. Honestly, yeah, I might might get one extra bedroom. That's about it. <laughs> I think that's an important perspective
1: to have. Yeah. It kind of like grounds
0: you and humbles you. Yeah, and I mean, you're never really gonna be able to hold on to it all if you just spend it all. Exactly. So I'm also at this point in time now. I understand that life is unpredictable. So I I try to keep safety nets in place so that I can be proactive against the future for whatever reason. You never know. You know, YouTube channel could be gone tomorrow. Business could be that. I've always had my... I'm confident in my capabilities of being able to make money and be financially stable because I'll never be broke no matter what. I'll always figure out a way. At the least I'll trade my time for money. I'll, I'll work all day, every day. You've stacked plenty of proof that you can do that. Exactly, multiple times. You know, so... So yeah, it just amplifies who you are, and that's where that that mindset came from from me.
1: You've mentioned the goalposts moving for you when you reach a goal, and how that's happened to you a number of times. How do you combat the difficulties that come with that, like when you reach a situation like that?
0: Mm-hmm. So the difficulties that come with that, more so in regards to like reaching that goal. Yeah, like I th- I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like you reach a
1: goalpost and it just immediately shifts and like the the mental struggles that come with that. How do you combat the mental struggles that kinda come with a situation like that?
0: First thing, as we talked about before, gratitude. So seeing where you came from and understanding that and being grateful in the for the position that you're in right now. And then um also reaching out for help if needed that's at some point that's where i decide to hire mentors and people who were better than me in that regard because after a wh- after a while once you get to a certain point you realize that you really can't do it yourself you either gotta hire a team or hire somebody smarter than you to kind of help reach your goal faster and those are the two things i've really done to like combat any mental stress or whatever to um towards the next goalpost. And then also I look back at my strategy. Like, I like to look at things based on action. So let's say my goal is $50,000 a month. What actions do I have to take in order to reach that goal? How many reach outs do I have to do in regards to my business model? How many posts do I have to make? I do the math on it. And so once again, devising a plan of action, I list a plan of action of the stuff I need to do in order to hit that goal. And it may or may not hit it. Like Things are unpredictable, too. The business is unpredictable. Good months, bad months, whatever the case is. But um, as long as I'm doing what I need to and then also practicing gratitude and I'm reaching out for the certain help and I got a team in place, then, I'm, then I'll be satisfied. Do you have a team right now that like
1: helps you with things?
0: Yeah, I do. Uh, not a lot of stuff. is very small, though. What have been the
1: challenges of, like, bringing new people on? Because you mentioned before, like, you're so used to doing, like, all the copywriting, the editing. Like, it's kind of a one-man show, or at least it was at first. What have been some of the challenges with bringing on new people for, like, the creative stuff and e- even, like, the non-creative stuff? What have been the, some of the challenges with that?
0: I've got – so the only team I have is sales, editing, and a little bit of marketing. But for the most part, I'm the marketer, master marketer and everything. So – In regards to letting off the creative challenges, more so with editing, especially with video creation, you're used to things being a certain way or whatever. But at the end, you got to realize you got to let up the fact that I have more free time, even though it's not going to be exactly how I would do it or want it, you just got to let that go. And then also at your best try and train that person to the best of your ability to actually understand and learn the way you like things. And I'm also in a fortunate position given that my editor is my best friend since fifth grade. So he like, he knows everything. He understands exactly how I like things. It's easy to work with him. Like we're actually friends. And it's been that way for like like three years now. So I'm in a good position with that. And then in, in regards to um the sales or anything like that team, just making sure that everybody's just doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, in some cases I hire people to do what I can't do or what I'm not good at. So example, I could be okay at selling, but I don't want to sell. Also, I don't think I'm very good at it because I don't have a lot of reps in. So I just hire people who are better than me and I, I just kind of delegate the task to them and just as long as they're doing the right stuff and the numbers are right, everything's aligned, then I'm I'm satisfied with that too. So, And also I, I prefer to keep my team small. I don't want a big operation. I think things can kind of get away from you that way. If you're like scaling too fast. I only scale if I have to. I like to learn and do everything myself first and understand it, and then I scale when I have to. Example, I've had to scale the fitness coaching. At first I was taking the sales calls. I was marketing and booking the calls and going on the calls. So I got to a point where I was taken away from my ability to actually create content. And so – after that, I was like, okay, yeah, this has to be delegated. I have no time for this anymore.
1: And the creating the content is, like, the one thing that you can't really ever delegate because, like, I mean, unless you wanted to make it, like, a whole different type of channel, but, like, it brings people in and gets people interested because it's
0: actually you. Exactly. It's a personal brand. It's not necessarily, like, a entity outside. Some people start the channels like that. Like, their brand is, like, them. They represent it, but it's a different name. And there's pros and cons to approaching it that way. A big pro is that you can delegate it out to somebody else whenever you don't want to or when you're, whenever your time's over and the brand still live on versus if I have a fitness brand that's my name, Austin Dunham, then clearly I have to show up, you know? Depending on, like, how good AI gets. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe AI would say, oh, that would be genius, man. Like they're already doing, like, little automated
1: AI, like, video messages like you know how someone will send like a little follow-up like sales message like through like a video message like i think they already have ai that's doing like an automated version of that like you can obviously tell it's ai but it's still like it kind of helps you like get more
0: out there and like kind of crazy to just see ai replacing something like that yeah maybe one day i'll be able to face swap myself with my 21 year old self and body and still give informational videos and not actually be there that will be dope could be
1: (laughs) That would be crazy. Do you have any bold predictions for the rest of 2023 for like, yourself, for your brands, or for your businesses?
0: Predictions. Uh, after being in it for so long, it's more so about just sticking to the task. I do have goals aligned in place in regards to soft numbers and hard numbers, revenue, and also subscriber count, anything regarding that. But also, I had a plan of action and the actions that I'm taking daily in order to reach that. Um, so it's more about sticking to the task, any big predictions that for myself, not, not really. Yeah. I just, I'm just trying to hit the goals that I've set for myself and take it, take it year by year at this point in time. I'm, I'm think, I think long-term being proactive, you know, I don't want to be, you know, doing this just for a few years. I try to, I try to implement my systems so that I do it very long-term.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just maintaining that consistency.
0: Yeah. So that, for example, in my systems, I only post only, but like one to two times a week. I used to try to like five days a week, every day, vlog every day, volume, volume, volume. But that leads for me personally to my stress, which leads to burnout, which leads to me quitting, not being consistent, which leads to me taking breaks and then losing my passion for it. So I'm proactive against all those risks and areas. And so that's why my systems are set up for long-term success.
1: I think that's something people get wrong about consistency in like a lot of cases. Like I remember when I was a personal trainer, I think I was talking about this off air, when people would come in and see me sometimes and they would like give like a little bit of a workout trial and then they would decide that they wanted to work with me. A lot of times they would be super motivated. They would come in, they're like ready to go and they'd be like, let's do this. We're going to work out like three, four times a week together. And I'd be like, hold up. No, or not. You have not been working out at all. We're going to start at one or two sessions a week, probably just one, build into two. We're going to establish that consistency. We're going to create a plan to create consistency around that one or two times a week before we actually get to the three or the four kind of take it one step at a time because it takes levels and increments to really build consistency and if you let yourself burn out that's a problem
0: yeah that's smart understanding the psychology behind people's motivation and then implementing a a good system for them to follow consistently i that i believe that's a good approach because whenever somebody have whenever people have a new goal like there's a lot of motivation there, a lot of drive, you know. Even me myself, I, I told myself oh, I'm gonna walk five miles every morning because I'm trying to. I'm on a fat loss phase right now, so I want to increase my daily activity. I remember I woke up six thirty without the alarm even going off, ready to work out, go walk. But after the first week, you know, it's like now okay, it's let's set an alarm seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alarm hit. I was like, "Damn!" Last week, I was waking up at six AM ready, you know. So, but then from there, it's just more discipline instilled and just habit for me. But um, even me myself, I find myself just getting a little overly excited sometimes for new goals and ready to tackle them. But that's what starts the process that burst of motivation at first. So
1: we talked earlier about delayed gratification. And I was wondering, just, you know, with your love for, like, kind of reverse engineering things, figuring out the processes, I was wondering if we could kind of figure out how to, like, reverse engineer the process that you use to kind of develop the practice of delayed gratification. Because I find that to be a very common problem that a lot of people face It's just the developing, like, the ability to delay gratification. And it's a very Mm -hmm. valuable skill.
0: There are many ways to delay gratification. For me, it was more from a financial sense. So not cashing out on my chips too early Or, you know, for example, somebody wins the lottery, not immediately buying, like, a big mansion. Like, thinking more long-term for the future. And what really helped me was the analogy of, let's say you was to come up on whatever amount, financial, or you're doing well for yourself financially, you can either get the BMW now or the Rolls-Royce five years from now. Which would you choose? So, for me, I'd rather choose the Rolls-Royce five years from now. So, like and then also through my life understanding how much delayed gratification has put me in such a positive position more than anybody um because when i look when i look at my financial situation now it's not so that I'm i'm doing well for myself but it's not like i'm super super you know like crazy amounts it's more so that i just delayed my gratification since i was 18. Mm -hmm. that's like seven years or six years or whatever of being um, pretty frugal and like understanding that.
1: And having money to save and reinvest in yourself.
0: Reinvest to make more money. So being financially literate too goes a long way understanding how money works and how money is supposed to be used to make you more money not to buy depreciation assets and all this other stuff like that. So understanding that really helped me too. But um, even now, nowadays at 27, I decided to delay gratification even longer because at first I was like, okay, I'm in my mid-20s. I need to live a little. And I did live a little. You know, like I said, I bought the car. I bought the watch. Like I was, uh, material items at least. After a year, man, I sold it because I started viewing it as like a hunk of just money just sitting there. So I would never drive it. My life is simple. I go to the gym. I go to the store, whatever. Sometimes date nights, whatever. But I was like, I need to use this money differently. So I sold it. Uh, Put it in stocks or, you know, invest in other areas like that and um, even nowadays I'm telling myself uh, I still got my car that I've been riding since I was 21 I bought it when I started making more money through YouTube because I was riding a really bad beater before like a Toyota Corolla 2001 So I bought my car now and I very well could. I could get a Lamborghini right now. I could get any car pretty much I want under, like, $500,000. But I told myself, nah, mid-30s. Mid-30s. mid-30s I'm going to ride it out, and then mid-30s, I'll cash in on my gratification. And by then— Do
1: you have a prediction for what that car might be in your, like, mid-30s? You mentioned the Rolls-Royce, but I don't know if that's, like, yeah, your choice.
0: I think in my for my lifestyle and where we live, a Rolls-Royce is pretty impractical. So I'll probably get, like, a— a nice sporty SUV, yeah. Probably not like a a Urus. Do I do like the style of the Urus? More like a probably like an Audi RS Q, whatever it's called.
1: Oh yeah, those are nice. Or
0: even um, Chevy. They're coming out with like a SUV version of the C8. I'm not sure if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty cool, man. So I I think I want a bigger size car then because I'm also thinking about the time period in my life too. I I probably will. Have a family of some sort or something like that because that's on my goal is too. And on the fitness journey, you might just be bigger. Exactly. Ideally, so you never, yeah, you never know.
1: Well, I have a couple closing questions that I like to kind of end things with. Usually, first one I have is kind of going back to when you were about eighteen when you first got started with the fitness journey and kind of the content creation around it. I would mark that as kind of the beginner, the beginning of your kind of creative pursuit that ended up becoming a business. Mm. If you could go back in time and just talk to a younger Austin at that time, having the wisdom and the knowledge that you have now, what are two things that you would tell them to do differently? Differently.
0: You oh, see the unique. He's done st- a lot right. Yeah. the unique. <laughs> my unique stance is that I've done so much right. I've, I've been in the right place at the right time. I stay consistent. But if I had to do anything differently and tell myself that, I would say. Um, implement some of the business concepts a bit sooner.
1: Mm -hmm. The stuff that you learn through courses, experience research.
0: Yeah. So, you know, implementing the funnel system a bit earlier on, maybe starting like a high ticket service a bit, like, you know, more so in 2018, 2019, instead of leaning to like now, um, just doing everything a bit sooner. Maybe start my other channel a a little bit sooner. Um, investing in Bitcoin, easy one. Um, and-
1: I, I wish I would have invested in Bitcoin way
0: back. Biggest thing I would tell myself to do is just invest in some of the stuff that I, I knew now that blew up, so like Bitcoin, certain stocks, Dogecoin. Do you see crypto
1: making kind of a big comeback and a big surge?
0: I haven't checked my portfolio in a minute. I, do I though? I'm not a crypto expert, so it's hard for me to say. I'm not sure. Maybe Bitcoin and Ethereum, but everything else.
1: It's just so tough to tell. Yeah. I
0: don't know, man. I hope for the best because I'm invested quite a bit in it. So, the, the, you know, if that does happen, then awesome.
1: Yeah. Fingers but, crossed. Yeah.
0: We'll see. But I, I'm not sure, man. I don't know much about, I understand crypto, but like the really intricate details behind it, I don't understand.
1: Right, and and it's tough to really pin what actually makes the market fluctuate too much because mm-hmm. it's it. I mean, it kind of just happens based on like you know other circumstances that are going on in the world. You can't really predict something like the whole FTX crash and like the fallout of that and people losing confidence in it for other reasons, yep. regulations. So it's it's just a very it's kind of a crapshoot.
0: Exactly. Yeah, but in twenty twenty. Opportunity meets preparation. A lot of people got lucky, man. Lucky with their crypto pumps, crypto boys coming yeah. coming up, hundred x, two hundred x on their investments, man. So I do wish. I wish more so in twenty twenty, I invested more in stocks too. Not only just crypto, but stocks too. Like at that time period was just a great time to invest in everything. A house, house prices at that time were amazing. So, yeah, I would have invested a bit more in 2020.
1: Yeah, investing when things are rough, like when there's a recession or some kind mm-hmm. of tough world circumstance,
0: it's the best time to invest because yeah. everything's on sale. Yeah, I didn't realize that three years ago because that that was before I got into investing. So before I was really just hoarding everything. And then I remember that year I was like, I'm going to learn about investing because nobody really taught me it. And so I think and you found yourself with money that you could use for it. Yeah, I didn't start allocating stuff in certain places until, like, 2021. So I'm a bit late to the game, but I wish I would have started, like, in 2019, 2020.
1: Another question I have for you, because the show is called Profession Session, and I very much enjoy just breaking down kind of the science behind what makes someone professionally great. So my question to you is, what does it mean to you personally to be a professional in your professional life?
0: Uh, Professional? just an expert, like somebody who's just efficient, competent, and you can depend on. I value that about myself, just high competency. I can figure out anything I want to. You know, they say coaches have coaches and I have higher mentors and other coaches towards certain stuff. But really, I do feel like I have the confidence and ability to just figure stuff out on my own because I've always done it. I did it myself with fitness, I did it with dating, you know, the whole reverse engineering process and also through my trial and error and experiences. Also, I believe which uh, contributes to my professionalism too, and being a professional is through your own story and your own trial and error and experience. So overall confidence, competence, and just the ability to get stuff done and be effective at it, you know? What's the best thing
1: that could happen in your business this year that would really skyrocket your goals?
0: Well, the best thing, well, given that my business is marketed through content, so going viral, having a few viral videos always helps. I've experienced that in the past, too, where you have a video just do really well for no reason whatsoever. It's not even like a video you even really tried on, but it does well for whatever reason. There's always a, a, a linear correlation between that and revenue for the year example the 2020 pandemic when everybody was at home stuck working out they found me there's probably like some older calisthenics videos that went crazy i would guess older ones newer ones because at the time i doubled down i understood what was going on so i was like best five ways to work out at home top five push-up variations workout chest workout to replace the gym like i was going crazy on my content marketing so so yeah um virality to um will be the biggest would will, will it have the biggest impact and then uh i think i think that's the biggest thing because i don't run paid ads or anything it's all organic
1: yeah organic's the best way yeah
0: awesome anything else you would want to leave the audience with austin my advice would be to just l- try and look at systems and realize that there's an answer to everything. There's a there's a why to everything. Why everything works, why the light switches work, like Edison or whoever invented that. Figure it out. Like if I connect this circuit to this circuit, you click the light switch on, it's gonna send a signal up, and that's why the light turns on. So start looking at like the why behind things, why things work. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Andrew Tate. Mm-hmm. Might be, most people might be, but he also gave the example in which I realized that I naturally do too. Is you go into like a coffee shop and you start to wonder, like, okay, why did I go here instead of there? What what makes them different? Was mm-hmm. it because their prices? Was it because I like their product better? Was it because of their customer service? Start reverse engineering more things and even people and behavior. Why is this person successful but this person is not, even though they post very similar stuff? Is it because his physique is different? Is it because he's more magnetic through the way Like, so just looking at the world, like, that sort of lens, and then applying it to yourself too—that's the biggest thing. That's my favorite
1: think. thing about entrepreneurship—is you're forced to figure everything out, mm-hmm. like just through sheer will, research, and problem solving. Problem solving. Yeah, it's critical thinking and problem solving. That's all it is, man. Well, thank you so much for, again for coming on. This has been a truly insightful and awesome conversation. Awesome, thank you for really having appreciate me. Appreciate it, of course. And that's a podcast. Awesome.